What's up, guys? Welcome back to Manifest Your Success Podcast. FBI is a special series of our podcast where we cover all things Web3, such as blockchain technology and how it can revolutionize our society. In this episode, we are joined by Hamdi Cotter, CEO and co-founder of Devo Protocol and dual-degree JD MBA candidate. We dive into why industries like philanthropy should be decentralized, why decentralized organizations incentivize participation, and how to onboard users to blockchain technology. All right, welcome to the show, Hamdi. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, let's get uh, let's get right into it, I guess. So on the theme of like crypto and blockchain, I guess. Yeah. When was when did you first like come across it? 2017. It was around 2017. I just graduated from state. Um, I had a couple of months to where there was like a brief like uh, gap between I started my job, and then you know I started to look into this crypto thing, and I was trading right. I was doing good. It's funny now because I go back to my Coinbase and I look at the price of Bitcoin. It was like ten thousand. I was like, damn it! Like why the hell did I sell that shit? You know what I'm talking about? But yeah, no, that's I started trading a little bit, learning more. Um, but what's funny is the fact that now since I have and I've started the startup, I found out that I knew nothing, like literally nothing about what it really meant, what crypto really meant, the revolutionary impact that that it has. Um, but yeah, that's when I started. So, so you just started off like trading it. You didn't really like see. You didn't understand the value in it. You were just like, okay, this is. This yeah. is everyone's doing it, so I might as well hop in. Is that like? Yeah, that yeah, one hundred percent. You know, like it was. Um, it wasn't even that popular back then. People thought I was crazy. You know, yeah. it's like, what are you trading? Like internet money? Like, like what, what, what are you doing <laughs> over here? But uh, but no, it was it was great, and uh, I I was just you know, normally speculative, right? I saw the value of it. I saw it was going up and down. I believe um, I used to trade like you know Ripple. You know, when it was, uh, you know, going up really, really good, you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, you know, the, the, the good stuff. Yeah. So, good stuff. so, I mean, like, so when I first got into crypto, like me and Sam kind of like rode the wave together. Yeah. And like we, we like, for, uh, I first like came to the, the idea of Bitcoin. I was like, okay, this is Bitcoin. Like I never really like dove deep into a rabbit hole until like, like months after I actually like knew what it was or was familiar with it. So like, did you ever dive into like a deep rabbit hole where you, you were like, okay, this is more than just something I can just trade with. And it's actually going to be something that, that will apply to hundred things in, in life. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that's actually how I started the startup, right? Is that, you know, just some backstory in relation to that, you know, when I was at state or, you know, now when I'm at UNC is the fact that I've always tried to spend a lot of time really starting my own goodwill projects, right? I started the statewide voter program at state. I used to be, you know, part of a multiple different student organizations and, you know, I saw there was a lot of problems with that, right? I couldn't get volunteers, couldn't get donors. Um, and then, you know, I started hearing more at that point of about, you know, how blockchain was really revolutionizing the space. It was in the back of my mind. I knew crypto was revolutionary. I didn't know much about it. Um, but then, you know, around, you know, two and a half years ago, I started reading more, reading more, reading more. And I was like just shocked. And I was like, this is going to be a game changer. But what I found out was it was only being applied to well-established industries. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like the banking industry is pretty well established. Like, you know, it's there's no like huge need, you know, and in terms of people, like people need help, for example. So I thought to myself, well, can we utilize blockchain technology not in order to help these people uplift their, their, their lives, but also maybe even give a good or a great return for people who actually be a part of this. And that's how it all started, right? Then I started reading more and then I met Adam um and uh the rest is history yeah so i guess can you like 
I mean, you, you sort of started to answer this, but could you briefly just describe what Devo Protocol yeah. actually is and like what you're trying to do with it? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's like I'm speaking uh, Spanish right now. No, 100%. <laughs> so so what, what Devo is from a broad standpoint is the fact that we tokenize the philanthropy sector, right? And when you tokenize the philanthropy sector, a lot of the problems that exist get eliminated. So let's start with the problems. What problems do exist? Donors don't know where their money is going. Right. And, you know, I think there's a stat where only 18.5% of Americans highly trust volunteer organizations. Um, so that's one problem. The other problem is the fact that volunteers are not rewarded for their time. Right. And then you sometimes get the question of, well, aren't they not supposed to be volunteered for their reward for their time? Yeah, no, only the CEOs of those nonprofits are supposed to be rewarded. Right. Screw the volunteers, I guess. Um, and then so the third point would be the fact that, you know, people like me who want to start their own projects don't have the resources don't have volunteers, don't have donations. And so when you tokenize the space, not only are those problems solved, right? But also what happens is the fact that you now create a market in philanthropy. And when you create a market, there's financial return. So if you want to think about it like this, in every single industry out there, right, where there's a problem that equals a market opportunity. But in philanthropy, on a broad scale, a problem just remains a problem because there's no high ROI to solve that problem. We come and we fix that, and by creating a market, we solve those problems. That's awesome, man. Well, first off, I want to say philanthropy is awesome, and I love you doing that at such a young age, man. That's really cool. Appreciate um, so, there obviously, there's a lot of people listening right now that are probably not familiar with the term tokenize. So, oh. could you, could you just like describe the term tokenize, and then could you say why like um, the 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 way people do that before, like what what they're doing not to, like right now. Um, how is tokenizing benefits of philanthropy in your business? Yeah, 100%. So basically, when I say tokenize, it's creating a market that's surrounding around a specific token, right? When that happens, that token is now a utility token because it's utilized for something, right? So, you know, I'll, I'll give a hypothetical example. When a donor wants to donate money on Devo, right? And this is actually live on our DAP right now, our decentralized application. Um, you know, what they do is that they have to pay a transaction fee. Now that transaction fee is in Devo, right? So now it's tokenized because you're utilizing the Devo token to pay for that service, right? So that's the token. It's creating a market surrounding around a token, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, um, so that, that's the whole point of it. And the reason why you have to do it like that is there has to be an incentive, right? For individuals to put money in this system. And the reason why you need to put money in the system is in order to create the processes to solve these problems, right? So, you know, we spent like, we spent so many resources creating this DAP, right? And this DAP, I'll give you an example. Um, what happens is, and this is like just at the beginning stages, donations are locked in a smart contract or escrow, right? Just like locked in a pool and are only released on milestone basis. So like a project signs up, they have to list their project in milestones in very clear terms. Donors see it, they like what they see, they donate the money that's locked, right? And then that money is only released on a milestone basis when the volunteer organization or project says we've completed the milestone. And then when the donor says, yes, you have completed that milestone sufficiently. And then that money is released per that milestone to specific parties indicated, right? But in order to create that system, in order to keep building upon that system, right? That's gonna cost money, right? And how do you get that money? You make it incentivizing. How do you make it incentivizing, right? You want people to invest in it. Right, and they invest in the token because that token is gonna have demand because people are gonna use it to donate. That's, that's, yeah. that's so like that's one process, right? But you know, when you add multiple different processes out there from corporations wanting to buy in, from donors wanting to buy in, right, from volunteers joining in and being rewarded with tokens, once there's more demand, that really increases, 
you know, kind of about the value of it. Okay, so so I'm gonna try to try to fill in any holes that I missed here. Okay, yeah, so so nice. you're you're tokenizing the transactions between like donors and like volunteer programs, mm -hmm. and you have like incentives set up where um, the more people that don't donate or the more people that yeah. volunteer, it's gonna add quote unquote points to the, the yeah. system, and then as it gets bigger and better, then it's gonna unlock incentives down the line. Is that good? Yeah. Way or so all, yeah, it's it's basically like this, right? It's like a GoFundMe that's transparent. Right. In addition to that, we incentivize corporations to join in by giving them advertising opportunities, utilizing blockchain technology. These advertising opportunities include purchasing the token, giving it to those volunteers and utilizing blockchain technology. It's shown right on the blockchain. So that's basically what it is. Right. Yeah. And that's like kind of the ecosystem. Now, I can go more detail than that. But from broad scale, that's what it does. Yeah. I, I think a big argument for like an, a use case such as this in crypto that a lot of people um, often that they use is that like how is someone um, in like today's world how are they gonna be on board with this and like what's gonna make it yeah. easy for them like why would they want to do this when it's so hard to just just learn how to use crypto so like is there anything you guys are specifically trying to implement or like add to make it easier for someone to learn how to use it 100% and I love that you brought that question because crypto nowadays unfortunately like you gotta it's, it's so hard to learn mm -hmm. right I, I definitely understand it right I sometimes see platforms I'm like dude what going on here dude <laughs> what are you doing and you read it three times but no it's um our one of our main competencies is the fact that we want individuals to utilize this platform without actually knowing that they're utilizing blockchain right so we're trying to really make this as mass market as possible and i like giving this analogy when you drive a sports car do you know how the sports car is working inside do you know how the engine's running like, do you even think about it? Not most people, yeah. No, you just think of the UI UX. You, you utilize your phone, right? You know how to use it. It's very simple. But do you know the back end? And that's what we're aiming to do, right? So all these processes I'm explaining to you, yeah, that's the back end, right? But from a broad scale, what a user would see is a GoFundMe page that is transparent. And corporations will be able to go and sponsor projects, like advertise, right, on the platform, utilizing blockchain technology to make it more efficient. Right, so they can now reach a wider range of people, and when they sponsor these projects, right, they are giving tokens to volunteers and rewarding them. That's it. That's awesome, man. I, I want to get like deeper into Devo and, and keep talking about that, but I'm curious, like, what's your personal like background? Like, what motivated you to like start into like volunteering and like help the space and specifically? Like, do you have any like personal connection like in your past, or how yeah. did you come into it? So right now, I am a JD MBA final year at UNC. So like, uh, I, I like to call myself like a wolves in sheep's clothing. Like that's 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 <laughs> what I go by. That's all. All the state people at UNC do that. But yeah. uh, yeah. So like, my background is yeah. I went to state. I graduated 2017. Um, you know, and then I worked at Citrix and MetLife and, and um, Citrix, MetLife, NextEra Energy. And, you know, through that time and even when I was at UNC, both at State, when I was working at UNC, I always spent a lot of time really helping my community. Um, and, you know, whether it was a statewide board program at NC State or student organizations at NC State or even after I graduated or even at UNC. But, you know, as indicated previously, I saw a lot of problems when I wanted to start my own projects, right? And then I saw a lot of friends who were starting their own projects who didn't have the resources and ultimately they failed, right? Um, and so as indicated previously, I thought to myself, well, you know, there has to be a better way, right? But then I tabled it. I'm like, you know, well, if there was a better way, there would have became a better way. But then I saw blockchain technology and I started doing research. How is blockchain revolutionizing different spaces? And then I started thinking, how is blockchain technology being implemented in philanthropy? Was it really being implemented in a sufficient way? So that's why I decided to start Devo. 
Um, yeah, I think like that's so important. Like you see that in the in like science as well. Like the move to decentralize science because there's so many issues with like publishing a research paper. If yeah. a scientist publishes a research paper and it and it revolutionizes something, nobody ever hears about the scientist. It just quickly gets it, like there's no proof of really that they're the ones who made it. Um, it becomes like world, worldly known unless they win a Nobel Prize or something. Yeah, they don't get any recognition that they should for such a like a revolutionary idea. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like goes hand in hand with what you're trying to do, and it's it's so valuable. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, just such a fine the bottom. I'm not looking at recognition at all, honestly. Um, and I feel like that, you know, it it wasn't an easy process, right? Mm-hmm. Even it was definitely not an easy process. But you know, one thing that I I feel like is that we have against all other teams is the fact that the passion that we have in our team is phenomenal, right? So I just told my team yesterday. I'm like, if we gave everybody all the intellectual property that we have, right, they could mm-hmm. not implement what we're implementing. Because our project is not built on, Ethereum or Polygon is built on the team, right? Technically, that's not right, but, you know, it's built on the team. And every single one of those, that team, they just have that fire passion inside of them to keep on building it. So that's one of our, the things that I'm really proud about. That's awesome, man. It seems yeah, like every team would, like, if you have a team that is just all passionate about it, like, what can stop you, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, man. It's, it's, it's um, you know, I've worked across multiple different companies, right? I try to go down the, the traditional route. Um, you know, as I said, stayed, graduated, then went, like, straight to Citrix, then went straight to MetLife and worked that corporate job. And it was, it was good. Don't get me wrong. And then I decided, hey, you know, I want to, you know, uh, further my career. I decided to get a JD MBA, right? And, um, you know, that's great. It really taught me a lot. And then I decided, you know, I was working as a lawyer, as, as a, like a legal intern for like Next Era is a huge energy company. And, you know, I said that there has to be more. How can I give back to my community, right? How can I do this? And Vivo was the answer. Yeah, I think um, like you, you mentioned like a few minutes ago, you were talking about how you want it to seem like they're not even using the blockchain. You yeah. want it to be so seamless. Yeah. And um, I, was, I was at an event, like a networking event last night. And... Basically, it's like a lot of older people, like the average age there had to have been like like 50s. Yeah. And the first thing you do when you walk up, you, you write down your name on a name tag and yeah. you scan a QR code. And then it, it was called POAP is the, is the application. Okay. And then you put in your email or okay. it had a, an option for your ENS address. Oh, cool. And I was, like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it looked like an NFT. So then the guy who was speaking there, he starts speaking and he says, he's like, hey, like he introduced himself and he's like, so the thing you just scanned, the QR code that sent you an NFT, it's proof of participation. It sent it to your to your wallet. How many of you guys knew that? And he's like, how many of you guys know what blockchain is? And the number of hands raised was like like maybe ten yeah. percent. He was like, this was a demonstration. I was trying to make it. I was trying to make a, a demonstration of how easy that was to use and how easy it can be. Like you didn't even know that you were doing it, and it wasn't some difficult thing. Especially since he was, they were the one eating the transaction fee, and like I, that's so like valuable. How. Like there really are steps being taken to make something like that, um, so like, like behind the scenes, I guess. Yeah, I, I love that actually. It's it's funny you mentioned you mentioned that because, so one of uh you know GoBit Tech one of the one of the technical components of our project is that every single person it's a kind of proof of participation. Uh, when they sign up, they get like a digital identifier, right? Just call it like a badge, like or like your ID, and they get that in their emails. Right, there's a sign from the protocol, they type in their email, they sign up, and then they get like an email, but that's like a DID. But they don't even know they have a DID. And I love what that guy did because that is where it's supposed to go. People are it's not supposed to be confusing. This is made for the people, but it seems like a lot of these blockchain projects are solely trying to make it solely for blockchain. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be for everybody. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like 
that's like really how I think it goes mainstream. It's like yeah. if we really like get these things like, okay, you scan a QR code. Everyone is already familiar with how a QR code works. It, your, your camera reads it and it sends you to a link. Like everyone yeah. knows that. But then if you just add that aspect of blockchain into it and if we can do that into many other applications like for your philanthropy example, like if we can do that and people aren't even realizing they're using blockchain technology and then you get to a point where there's thousands of people using blockchain technology and you're like, oh, this is because of blockchain technology, this is because of Bitcoin and, and all the technology behind it. And they're like, oh, okay, I might want to learn what blockchain yeah. is all about. Like, do you know how the QR code works? I don't know. Like, I, I sort of, like, dude, I, I could have, with the life of me, I could have. And that's the goal, right? Is people just utilize it, it benefits them, they see the value, but they don't have to know how it works. Right, right. So what was, like, the first time, like, when you sat down and you're like, okay, I'm trying to put together this protocol, and, like, what were the first steps you took? And then also, like, what, what was it different, like, compared, like, doing a Web3 business? Yeah. Like, what was the difference you saw in, like, just regular businesses? My God. <laughs> well, this it's a deep question right there, there. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, well, you know, first, the whole project started in that I was, like, so, you know, one of my sister, actually, she's trying to, she was trying to get to medical school at that time. And, you know, in addition to my history, this was, like, okay, I got to do something about this, was that she needed, I believe it was... Uh, 3,000 hours or 3,500 hours in order to get to medical school. Um, but she could only do it for a volunteer, for a specific volunteer organization who could record those hours. And of course, she's not getting rewarded at all. It's all about like eight, nine months full-time work over here. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so, you know, my, my grandmother who was at home, I was like, okay, why don't you just volunteer for her? It's like, no, you cannot. So I'm like, okay, so you're going to a volunteer organization, right? To go volunteer for them. Probably their bottom line is, 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 is great. Um, but somebody in your own household needs help. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of volunteering? You know, like what's the purpose here that we're trying to get to? So I thought to myself, well, there has to be, you know, and then I started thinking about all the times I was trying my own projects and the resources. I'm like, Dude, there's so many problems over here. Like, how do you come to a solution? And then the idea of Diva was born of, okay, let me try and find a way to record volunteer hours and reward them for their time, right? That it started like as a seed. And then it grew to this huge tree where it's like, you know, I'm gonna throw a bunch of words out here, but it's kind of like a DAO and DIDs and ENFTs and corporations and but that's but that's how it grew to that to that standpoint. Um yeah, does, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. That was cool. So so you were kind of motivated by like that personal story yeah. you had with your grandma out. Yeah. Was, and then everything else that faced, you know, it was like it's like a build up. Right, it was like that. There's a problem. Oh, okay, problem, 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 and then it was like, okay, come on, there's got to be a better way. Like this can't keep happening, right? And it was like everybody was just ignoring it. It would just become like a way of life, you know. And I feel like that's that's a danger in and of itself. Is when there is a problem and people just ignore it because they get used to it, they consider it a way of life, and there's no way of changing it. That's when you know you have to change it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's there's a number of topics that we could talk about that just fit that description, like obesity or a bunch of other things that we've talked about in this podcast before. Um, I'm curious, how did you come up with the name like Devo? Is that like your business? Is that like what you're marketing it as, or is that just the name of the protocol? Or is there, or is there separate entities? Kind yeah, of? A decentralized volunteer, okay. right? D E V O, right? That, that's that. Right. That's uh, <laughs> I thought that was, yeah, no, that, that that's the name of it. But like the whole word is Devo Protocol DAO, right? A DAO with decentralized autonomous organization. Right, so it's kind of like an organization, but like just it's decentralized. Um, more than I have to jump into what that means specifically, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's the name of it. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you, do you think like businesses that are coming out like for for blockchain, like behind like blockchain technology, excuse me, like do you think they should like keep that like language of um, Web three technology that's kind of not as familiar with like public people, or do you think they should try to try to move like into a a more like 
baseline like titles for their projects and whatnot. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like that's that's I don't think there's a blanket rule, but I would more tend to side with have to keep it identified with Web three, right? Because unfortunately, um, you know nowadays there is. I feel like there's a lot of unfair rhetoric around Web3, right? And, you know, me being very deep into the space, I know that is not the facts, right? And I still feel like that, you know, projects like mine and projects like a lot of others that I've got to know, that I had the pleasure of knowing, um, can really change and rewrite the script. Um, and I feel like that as more and more Web3 comes to prominence, the more we have to keep identifying that Web3 is the one. So, you know, during the internet age, Right, you know, back when it first started, you would like there would be no company out there that was in that business that would not identify them as the internet, right? And there was a lot of speculation about that. I don't know if you ever saw that small short video or it's like a talk show and it's like, what is internet, right? And he was like, what is the app? You never seen that? No. It was like when it first came out, like people didn't understand what an email was, what, and they were like, you know, joking about it, right? Um, but you found the tech side and you found the web two side. They were really pushing it. They didn't even care. They knew that they had something revolutionary and they kept on going. And I feel like we just got to keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, I, I was checking you guys out on, on LinkedIn, uh, like looking at some of your team members. Yeah. And it's such like a, it's, it's like, I, I guess I was like expecting like fewer members and like, like more like, it's, it's such a diverse group of people, like, like expertise in all areas of fields. So I guess like what exact, like how did you grow your team and what kind of, what were you looking for in terms of what, what people would be good at, like what you needed? So, you know, I would love to sit here and tell you that it was all me, right? But it wasn't. Yeah. It's the project. People have just like, once they learn about the project, once they get to know the project, they are just captured and they want to work towards it because they see what we're working towards. And that has made it very easy and, you know, has streamlined the process of onboarding these great people, right? So, for example, right, look, we have... Uh, our CSR chief strategy officer, he has a PhD, for example, right? Uh, you know, we have like a, a team of around 23, 22, 23 people, right? Some in Europe, some, uh, some in the US, some in the Middle East. And it's not me. It's basically the project is really trying to achieve something that's great, something that will revolutionize philanthropy for the better and really help a lot of these people out there that need help are just ignored. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people resonate with that. They want to join that cause. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That reminds me like of kind of like Tesla and like their model. Like they created this mission and it's like, okay, they're trying to make the world a better place. They're yeah. trying to, um, a number of missions that I can't think of off the top of my head. But like you did the same thing with Evo Protocol and you created this mission and it's, it's really like advertises itself. So like if someone sees like, okay, you're literally trying to help people volunteer, which is helping people help people. So like, yeah. You're gonna get people that are other trying to help people, and it just kind of comes for a circle and just like makes your business grow even bigger and bigger. No, I, I appreciate that, man. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's all about noticing the parties in philanthropy and just trying to provide them value. Whether it's a volunteer who wants you know to be rewarded and recorded their time or to get resources, a volunteer organization who needs the donations, corporations who want to advertise, right? That GoFundMe advertise model, all right? And uh, you know, and just like finding those different parties and just fulfilling their needs in a way that benefits the entire ecosystem and ultimately when you help these parties the people who need help the most are helped right um and yeah you know so i'm, I'm, I'm happy we, we're tracking along so it's great it's very exciting yeah yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely an, an amazing thing and um i'm curious like you mentioned that you're uh, you're doing a dual degree uh, yeah at, at unc <laughs> 
Yeah. And so while doing a dual degree yeah. and, and a JD and, and law, like like that, that's that's like legit stuff. Yeah. And, and you're at simultaneously you're co-founding and running a startup. So yeah. I guess are there any sort of productivity or time management strategies that you've kind of used to really help manage your time? You know, it's made it very, very easy. I'm, I tell this to everyone all the time. If I was working on something that wasn't mission driven and I didn't really feel strongly about, I don't think I would have been able to do this. But, you know, when you're really working on something that you're very, very passionate about, it just makes it easier. Time flies by. Um, but back to your question about time management strategies. You know, of course, at the very beginning, it wasn't that seamless. It wasn't that easy. I'm going to come here and lie to be like, oh, off the bat, it was easy, right? I, I scheduled time, five to six. No, like, you know, it took a lot of time to get too used to it. But, you know, what I've learned is the fact that you have to, in my mind, what I do is at least every week, I kind of plan ahead my schedule and I kind of allocate my time based on what I see is fit. And I give myself a buffer, for example, right? So it'd be like school. Um, I got to go to class. I'm going to spend like five hours in class, right? Um you know, if there's like gaps between that, I fit meetings between that, I block it off my calendar. And then if there's any homework, I allocate time to that. And then I also block off my calendar anytime I have to work alone, right, on the project. So definitely have a full schedule, but I feel like if you plan, um, you know, it'll make your life way much more easier. And I feel like that every single person has untapped potential. Um, and it's just if you decide to utilize that and you'd be very surprised at what you could do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's been a reoccurring theme on our podcast. Um, how that passion really allows you to find more time that you didn't think you had. Yeah. And like, for, for say you had a class and you have thirty minutes of time in between. Maybe normally you, I don't know, pull out your phone or something. But yeah. like, you're driven to to accomplish. Like in your example, you wanna you wanna decentralize philanthropy. You wanna make a, a, a meaningful impact on the world, mm-hmm. which motivates you to to use your time more effectively and really take advantage of like any time you have in your schedule. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, yeah, you have to, you, you, you would just be surprised at what you could do. You'd be just very, very, very surprised. Um, and, you know, I, I just urge everyone just to find that thing that they really do care about, right? I know this sounds so cliche. I know. I know I sound like fairly Gary Vee right here. That's not what I'm trying to do, guys. That's not. But, you know, it's, I just always think that to like, dude, come on, man. Like, you know, stop, stop speaking like that. But it's, it's true. It's true. Just find what you like. And you will see that you could accomplish it if you put your mind to it. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious. Like, so obviously you have this mission, and right now it's kind of in its early stages. So, like, what are your what are your paths like for taking Debo like in five years or ten years from now? Like, what are you trying to do to set yourself up for success later? We're trying to be like, what's the aim? Okay. Yeah, like, what are you aiming for? And then, like, what are some some actions or like some things that you want to see happen to your company to get to those points? We want to be the standard. We want to revolutionize philanthropy and be the standard we want when there are specific project or volunteer organizations that they have to be Devo verified and that is the standard of trust right um, and that's where we're aiming to go um, so that that is like our ultimate goal in five ten years uh, to be known as the standard of philanthropy that people trust and people can know that when they donate their money that they know where their money is actually being spent um, we want to be able to be known to be the empowerment of these volunteers Right, that they can now start their own project, be empowered, to be rewarded, and actually give back to their community and give back to causes that they like and they feel strongly about, and also that they can volunteer for projects that they know are not just needlessly wasting resources and money. Right? Imagine if you volunteer for a cause and you're spending your free time and you're not getting paid, at least right now, you're not getting rewarded, and then you find out they're just like you know wasting money on on, on stupid stuff. 
So, so that's where you want to be factoring here, just to be the standard of philanthropy, be known in the industry for revolutionizing the space. And also, right, and this is the core component, is to uplift the lives of the millions of marginalized individuals who are forgotten, whether it is, uh, you know, world hunger, whether it is uh, malnutrition, uh, you know, whether it is uh, children dying from diseases, uh, uplifting, you know, uplifting those individuals who are forgotten, unfortunately. That's, that's heart moving, really. That's awesome, man. So I'm curious, like, do you think there's, obviously philanthropy is a huge area to be in, and there's there's obviously many other, like, errors and problems in the world that yeah. could possibly be solved with blockchain technology. Yeah. So do you have any, like, off the top of your head or that you've been thinking about, like, okay, what if blockchain and t- technology was applied to this in this unique way? Or, like, what are your thoughts from other <laughs> industries? Oh, my God. <laughs> there is so much it could be applied to, man. Um, one space I see a lot of promise, which I see there's a lot of activity, but there is, it's not saturated at all. I would say it's the carbon credits. Carbon credit industry, right? Like, Can you elaborate on yeah, yeah. So, so you're, are you familiar with carbon credits? Um, you know, for, for those who are listening, like carbon credits is basically what companies purchase in order to offset the carbon emissions that they actually produce, right? So, you know, some people are like tokenizing that, you know, I'm going back. So what they do is that they tokenize carbon credits so individuals, they can seamlessly purchase those carbon credits. We are partnered, for example, with an organization that provides liquidity to carbon credits because it takes a long time for those to come to fruition. So it gives money to those people who are creating them, like those planting trees, for example. Um, NFTing carbon credits is definitely, you know, is, is, is definitely, I feel like is, is one of the next moves. Um, and uh, yeah, the NFT space as it pertains to to, to the to the environment is, is definitely a hot, hot topic right now. More than happy to jump in, uh, you know, specifically about how I think that's gonna work. But yeah, yeah, I think um, I I didn't I, I don't think I'm like too familiar with like that that's already having like steps taken to, to make that happen. But I can definitely see like why that would why that would like be so impactful. And like you said, there are like so many different industries that could be like revolutionized by this very concept. But um, since you are like a law student and you're, you're um, soon to graduate with a doctor of law, um, is there anything that you really see um, from like a regulatory standpoint that's really like holding crypto back? Like, <laughs> like from, a, from like your unique yeah. perspective that you, could, that you could like elaborate on? Uh, the law and crypto. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, there's definitely is. Uh, you know, just speak broadly, you mean? Yeah, I feel like, and this is not legal advice, by the way. Okay? I, have to say, I have to say that. I have to say that. This is not legal advice whatsoever. Um, but okay, I I want to speak from down here. I feel like unfortunately every single country out there is actually uh, you know creating regulation in order to aid crypto come to fruition in their country, right? Or is actually investing in crypto. Like, for example, you go to the Middle East in Dubai where they've invested a huge amount of money in the metaverse, right? Huge. I think it was like, don't quote me on this side, but it's like $50 billion, something like that, um, just in the metaverse. And then you see the U.S. just take like the other, the other approach, right? Which is like attacking it. And I'm like, but you know what's funny? is like most of the mines, right, are coming from the U.S. So it just does not make any sense to me. Like, why are you trying to hamper this innovation, Right. Um, and why are you creating these regulations? Like, regulations are supposed to help people. Why, why creating these regulations? You're actually hampering an industry which is going to solve a lot of problems out there. So, you know, from a legal standpoint, I feel like there definitely has to be uh, made regulation that makes sense, made by people who know what they're talking about, but in a way that doesn't really hamper the efforts of Web3. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I really don't understand, like, the whole 
why are you not like regulating this stuff? And the only argument you hear really is like, oh, criminals use it, and and it's it's bad for energy. And like those are the to- two only arguments you hear. And like they're so weak and they're they're debunked like many other times. So like it doesn't you, make any sense. You know sense. how many things I could use the argument that criminals use it? You know, and it's just like yeah. it, like dude, that's like the yeah. It's, it's, it's like criminals crazy. use everything, man. Criminals yeah. are stealing gas stations. That means we need to shut down gas stations. Yeah, or like no. cars, like you know, <laughs> runaway cars, like oh, they're horses. <laughs> that's what you do it. Yeah, really, literally, man. It doesn't make any sense. Sense. I mean, yeah. that people try to use that argument. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's a bigger reason behind it why yeah. they don't want cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. It takes away from the authoritarian figures in the world. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure people up top are like wondering, like, oh shoot, what am I doing? If blockchain technology takes over the world, I don't have control of all this other stuff. Yeah. So. Sooner or later, though. Sooner or later, it's the U.S. is going to catch up, right? Um, let's just hope it's sooner rather than later. Let, let me just say that it's definitely a very interesting field. Definitely, really has helped me a lot. You know, being the like law and MBA student, like utilizing, because I mean, at state, I graduated from Pool College of Management, right? Um, and uh, oh, you too? Yeah. So I well, I haven't graduated yet, but I'm dude, no, 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 represent, represent. <laughs> dude, that business law class, that is easy as it, dude. That, that, that was hard, man. Dude, I did not. But yeah, I still remember that class. Kaczynski, was it? Uh, I didn't take that yet. Oh, dude. So. Oh, dude. I'll, I'll maybe I'll try to stay away from that. I'll, I heard Wake Tech is good, but you know what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is, that, is the fact that um, that yeah, you know, being, taking a you know graduating from pool and taking a law and MBA class, a, like you know law and MBA dual degree at UNC has definitely helped me both in the business side and also in the legal side as to try to push this organization forward. And you know, I felt like it was all meant to be because I know for a fact that if I started this, you know, without taking the dual degree, like it would have been much harder much harder so yeah i'm definitely very grateful and i'm very privileged to be able to have that opportunity yeah uh before before moving to closing like uh questions i guess there was one thing uh i saw the other day i don't remember where i saw it but it was i think it was someone speaking in front of congress and they were talking about blockchain yeah and they were they were basically saying like like you see this new concept you see so many countries adopting it and then you see china ban it and if there's anything we've learned from the past is that if china bans something immediately invest in it and yeah. I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but so we normally we normally uh, end our, our podcast with one question, and that is, what is one goal you have in your career or personal life, and what steps are you taking to achieve that goal? That's heavy, man. <laughs> so what's one goal in my life and my career? One of the one. Or, yeah, your career or your personal life, and like, how are you working to achieve that goal? So I, I feel like you know one of one of my main goals is in order to help these marginalized individuals, um, you know, really recognize like recognize what they're going through and try to uplift their lives in a way which is efficient. Because I feel like right now, especially in philanthropy, it's kind of like, as you can see, I love using analogies, but I feel like it's the best way. Um, and it's like, it's like you know, you're filling up, right now philanthropy, it's like when people put money in philanthropy, I feel like that. It's like they're putting gas in a car that utilizes like five gallons a mile, you know, like, like, a, gallon a, mile, like a gallon a mile, right? Um, and so my whole goal is to uplift those marginalized individuals in a way that's way more efficient um, and in a way that really benefits a lot of the other parties. And I feel like that is such a massive goal, but I feel like it's achievable. And, you know, as I said, in five, 10 years, I want Devo to be the standard and I want it to be recognized for its positive, massive positive contribution in the philanthropy space and in helping these people live better lives and not remain forgotten. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm so thankful that we had the time to like sit down with you today. And, hey, like, thanks for having me, man. No, I love this. Yeah, before you go, yeah. before we go, um, yeah. do you have any like 
handoffs to the audience. Also, if you have any like books that you think like really change your perspective on the world, you can mention those too. But um, any links, Twitter, how you can find Devo Protocol. Yeah. Uh, so, whether that was so like what was it books? Books. Yeah, books. If you have any. Yeah. Um, and then just how to find you and like Devo Protocol. Oh, okay. Yeah. So books. Uh, how to how to make friends and influence people. Right. Definitely. I know this is what you did. It's a great, great book. I agree. Um, you know, so that's one. Uh, and so in Deeper Protocol, you go to www.deeperprotocol.org. On the top right, it should have all our socials, right? And you can go and go to every single one of them. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, feel free to reach out to me, right? My email is Hamdi, H-A-M-D-E-E. So it's H is in Ham, E is in Andy, M is in Matt, D-E-E, at deeperprotocol.org. And yeah, I'm... Um, you know, I'm always on my email. You know, it's more than texting. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's kind of sad. Awesome. But, we'll know, make sure to link everything below in the show yeah. notes and everything. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and yeah, reach out to me. I mean, you know, follow us, you know, contact me, join us. We're, we're, we're definitely going places and we're definitely going to revolutionize the space. And yeah, we're, we're going full steam ahead. Awesome. And I, I guess I feel like I should say none of this was financial advice. Or law none advice. Of, none <laughs> of this was legal advice, financial advice, a lot of it. <laughs> Alright, thank you so much for being here, man. I really thank enjoyed you. it. No, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Please do review if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. See you in the next one.